Welcome to episode 41 of the Cake Watch podcast, a podcast that was supposed to be about cake, but is really just about Brexit with me, Chris Kendall. I am an EU official uh, working for 25 long years in the paper mines of the European Union, Um, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here in a strictly personal capacity. And with me is... Uh, I'm Steve Bullock. Uh, I'm an ex-negotiator for the UK in the EU, uh, and uh, I'm also here in a in a personal personal capacity. We've sort of got a little bit formulaic with this, haven't we? It's sort of we have. I know it's I know. lost its um, sparkle. Okay, I'll do a different one. I'll do. Um, hi, my name's Steve Bullock. I ran away from the civil service to open a recording studio and got dragged back in to Brexit by the yeah, bullshit. That's good. You you think you're out, and then drag you back in. Pull you back in. Yeah. Oh, so yours is much better than mine. Well, uh, hello to uh, hello to uh, the seven or eight new listeners who've tuned in as a result of us being on seven or eight Maniacs. million new listeners. <laughs> I think I think Chris has overestimated the size of the podcast market by an order of magnitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we, um, um, I got to hope God knows where they've all come from. <laughs> so, wasn't it good? Though? Wasn't it, wasn't it, wasn't it great though? Yeah. Chris and I were, for those who don't know, I, I'm sure you, you will know because it's all we've tweeted about for a week. Um, so, yeah. That we, we were invited on the fantastic Romaniacs podcast, which we're both massive fans of. Um, and it was a, a huge, and we went over to London to uh, to do it, and it was a really brilliant experience. It was really, we really, really enjoyed it. It was just great to work with people who knew what the fuck they were doing as well, wasn't it? Oh, it was terrific. You know, it really was very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, it was tremendously exciting. I could barely fit my head out the uh, door of the recording studio afterwards. I was so feeling so proud, so pleased with myself for having been on this super podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very good. So we didn't do a podcast last week, Steve, because we were, well, we did, but we didn't do our podcast last week. Um, However, (laughs) we did record one, didn't we? We recorded one in the car on the way over, um, which we thought would be an interesting novelty podcast. But actually, when we listened back to it, uh, the sound quality was just so incredibly poor that we didn't put it out. Yeah. Well, I think an hour of it would have been, uh, (laughs) would have been difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what 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 we're going to do is we're going to pull out a few highlights and um, uh, just insert them into the podcast this week for what it's worth. Yeah. Well, should we should we should we bring that in now? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Well, here we are. Chris and Steve go to London. <laughs> Enjoy. Anyway, so yeah, so we're going to Romaniacs. Yeah, we're on Romaniacs. Ooh, finally, eyes. finally, finally. The only reason we started the podcast is because we hadn't been invited on Romaniacs. Steve. And finally, 40 episodes in. We're gonna, are we going to make it in the big city? Yeah, we're going big time to London where the streets are paved with banana skins uh, to record Romaniacs. There was a, a, a tweet by... Uh, Alexandro, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he'd been so. He, Alex is a food writer, and he's in Greece at the moment. Um, and he's tweeting about food, which is what he does. I mean, he's a he's a foodie. He's a food writer. So he t- he tweeted a lovely picture of an amazing cheese board and started talking about this incredible cheese that he'd been eating uh, on the island of Tinos. Um, and some some <laughs> Romano came in and was like, "Do you think that what would he say? Do you think the people of Sunderland?" I appreciate this, yeah. You think this will convince the people in Sunderland with your bourgeois... What was the line, though? There was a great line, wasn't there? Well, it ended up... It ended up... Your elitist cheese elitist pictures. Cheese, yeah, your elitist <laughs> cheese pictures. Well, I, was, I was very offended by this. I'm from South Shields. 
very near Sunderland. I love cheese. I love varieties of cheese. So my mum, lives in Plyde. I'm eating cheese what's-its right now. That doesn't count as cheese. That's processed cheese food. I think it's important to understand this, to understand what the effect of the bile that's been thrown at the EU has had on has had on people because these these are people who felt felt affectionate. They weren't people who, ju- who were just business partners. Yeah, you know. Well, this is what we've been saying all along: is that you know, <clears throat> politicians in Britain in the House of Commons they keep saying things as if they think that nobody can hear them outside. Yeah. They keep saying these things and they just keep doing it, and it, it, it's incredibly offensive. And it is being heard, and it's being heard by people who are, you know, thought they were your friends. And you know, on the one hand, you've got British politicians maybe thinking that these things don't get heard. On the other hand, you've got or British not politi- caring even worse, just yeah. not giving a well, shit. That's the that, you know, that's the third category. The second category are the ones who, like, yeah, yeah, but you know, it's just politics. You know that we don't really mean it. It's just politics. And then there's the third category of people who say it. They don't care that people here. They yeah. don't care. They think, you know what, I can say what the fuck I like because I'm a British politician and I'm going to. Well, that's bad enough. But then those self-same fuckers to turn around and grab their pearls yeah. and faint in in, 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 in scandalous shock at the, <laughs> the, at the, the faux outrage. The, the unbelievable rudeness of... Donald Tusk for saying that the people who did this without a plan deserve a special place in hell when they're the people that have been calling people like Tusk and Juncker and Barnier prison guards Nazi you know Nazis commandant you know camp commandants Um, I mean it it beggars belief that the fucking chutzpah and arrogance and hypocrisy of these people we know I mean we know this is what again we've been talking about this for the last yeah, year yeah, yeah. but every time it, it never fails to shock me that, that these people have so little self-awareness they're so I mean how can you be like that how can you honestly how can you live your life like that yeah. oh. three two one Chance. Did you feel the change in road service? Yeah, the change in road service. You can probably hear the change in road service on the yeah. recording, actually. Right, so now we're in the tunnel. Um, and Steve's off his face with excitement. I am. I am. This Filming was very, very exciting. Filming it as we came in, like some embarrassing American tourist or something. I was. Well, I should say that I have a, I have a toddler, a two-and-a-half-year-old, who is absolutely obsessed by trains and everything to do with them. Uh, so the idea of cars driving onto trains, I think he'll be very excited about. So I uh, wanted to document it. But yeah, you 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 witnessed the first because um, on our way in um, through through security, they put us in some weird machine. It was like a car wash. It's like one of those yeah, car washes yeah. where you drive on and then it pulls you forward automatically. Yeah. yeah. Except instead of the rollers and the sprays and the shampoo, it was a massive great X-ray. Flipping MRI scanner or yeah, X-ray, yeah, X-ray machine, yeah. So and they, we had to leave the car running, got out, walked through a little tunnel, mm-hmm. waited, got in the car again on the other side, and drove off. And the whole process took about five minutes. So you think five, five minutes, minutes per, car, per yeah. car? Yeah. I mean, we're on a. <laughs> this is a Tuesday night. There are only six or seven cars on the entire train. It's very quiet. I'm thinking, how's that going to work on? Yeah. You know, a busy Friday night in June. Now they're not. I mean, they're not doing it to every car. It's a spot check. Um, you know, it's not that every car has to go through it, but it's brand new. It's just been installed. Um, and and the, the the customs official who was there, we we got were very friendly, indeed, very absolutely. friendly. He basically said, "Look, um, you know, the instructions are that we do this to as many cars as we can." Yeah. And, and five uh, minutes. If you don't like it, you should write to Eurotunnel. He said. <laughs> I strongly recommend that you write to Eurotunnel. I suspect the instruction does not actually come from Eurotunnel, but from a government somewhere. I don't think yeah, Eurotunnel. I don't think Eurotunnel. I don't know, but I don't think Eurotunnel says something, and the French customs automatically no. do. It. And also, I can't see why it would be in Eurotunnel's interest, frankly. But yeah, yeah. Um, so no, more to look forward to. Yay Brexit! Yay external border of the EU! How unbelievably pointlessly unhelpful. So where are we, Chris? We've been through the tunnel. We are just driving uh, on the M20 through Ashford. 
Is this the M20? This is the M20. Well, it doesn't seem to have many lanes for a big motorway. <laughs> it doesn't, does it? I thought the M20 was a huge motorway, Chris. That's a lot of cones. It does have a lot of cones and half-built bridges and, yeah, two, yeah, speed two out of three closed 50, lanes. 50 mile an hour average speed limit. Yeah, mile an hour speed limit. Oh, there's another lane closed. Yeah, yeah, here are the closed lanes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what, what's this for? This is for Operation... Operation Twat, is it? What's oh, Badger. Operation Badger. <laughs> what is it? Uh, <laughs> 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 but we've got to get ready for the Badger Parade. Ooh, oh, there's a cone. Oh, no, wait. There's a man with a cone. And there's more men with cones. Lots of men with cones. Lots of men with cones. See, what happens is, um, in, in an hour or so, um, they're going to close the motorway completely. because. What? I'm sorry, what? Yeah, at the night um, after 10 p.m., the uh, motorway is closed, and we all have to leave and drive through the country lanes of Kent if we want to get home because they are busy turning the entire place into a car park. I'm just looking around, though. There's lorries everywhere, Chris. Yes. I mean, you know, lots of lorries drive at night. Yes. So they're all going to be going through the country lanes of Kent. Yeah. Do you actually mean country lanes of Kent, or do you mean well, or do you mean old air roads? I mean the A20 instead of the A20. <laughs> <laughs> but... Well, that'd get pretty... Okay, so people, the people, the people, too, so. people of Ambridge on World aren't going to be... <laughs> no, no, because, well, what what, what happens is uh, the A20 then gets congested, so then you, you hit your sat-nav, ah, so yeah. you take me somewhere yeah. else, and the sat-nav will take you off down through... Dungy uh, on the, dungy on the wall. Dumping on the wall, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is... So welcome to the third country of the podcast. Yeah, third country of the podcast, yeah. Absolutely. The Garden of England. Listen, listen... Have you noticed anything different? Uh, well, yeah, we've just been talking about how the lanes are closed off and stuff. But anything else different? Uh, Shall I tell you? Oh yeah, we're driving on the other. Yeah, we're driving on the wrong we're side of the road. The we're driving on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, uh, madness. So the thing that really got me, well, two things got me about about that trip, um, and it was the. Uh, the sheer size of the operation uh, on the road was at the M20. Sorry, I'm from the north. I don't really understand south. <laughs> um, so the, the the sheer scale of it was just gigantic. And the fact, you know, they're closing the... So, you know, we were, we were going down it at what? Like quarter to nine, nine o'clock. And there were just streams of trucks on the other side. Um, mm. You know... All of which, obviously, at ten o'clock, <laughs> ceased to be able to use the road. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean the the disruption the disruption is just unbelievable. The, the idea of I mean, to essentially, I didn't really get what they meant by turning it into a lorry park until I saw the mm. uh, until I saw bits of it. You know, where it had gone from what three lanes three lanes and a hard shoulder down to two thin lanes on both sides. Yes, with the entire centre just for parking. I was really quite shocked by that, and the other yeah. thing was that the other thing was the new security at Eurostar. Yeah. I was just yeah. uh, uh, not Eurostar. I am the shuttle. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd never been on that before, and um, but I was just yeah, really shocked. I mean, we used to when we were doing border cooperation with uh, and 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 border facilitation with Ukraine when I was in the commission. Those were the things we were installing at the Ukraine EU border, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just brought home that it's about to become an external border. So no, that's exactly it. So um, I've been using that crossing for many years, and I I used to get super irritable if my crossing was delayed by more than about half an hour, um, and I used to get super super irritable when the uh, British border patrol when the when the British um, UKBA people would check my passport in detail and ask me impertinent questions about where I'd been and what I was doing because I was like, this is an internal EU border. Who the, who the hell are you? You know, um, yeah. And now that's like, that's the least of it now. You know, I'd say though, I mean, to be, to be fair, to put it in perspective, you, you, you are very impatient when you're in a car, I've noticed. Have <laughs> you noticed that? <laughs> I did notice. I, I don't really, know what you mean. You really don't like queuing in a car. I can, I, we had to queue for like all of, like 10 minutes and you were really grumpy about it. 
I'm going home. I'm going home to see my baby and my, you know, I can't, I don't want to be sat in a queue. I want to be going home. Going home to see my baby. <laughs> He's cute. I want to see him. He is very cute. I got to meet, I got to meet George as well, which was really, really nice. And he is, he is actually cute. Although I have to say, I know, I, I never found children remotely cute until I had one. And now you go like, oh my God, it's a baby. Um, so God knows what's happened to me. Um, I'm going to be softy. <laughs> so yeah, no, it, it was um, it was an interesting. It was good fun to do it with you, Steve. It was fun to introduce you to my to my um, life uh, on the road, as it were. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, you see why I'm personally slightly terrified by what's going to happen. God, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. But we, I mean, we talked about that about how mm. how you know viable it it remains and other options for travel and. Look, I mean, that's the cheapest route as well. So yeah, <laughs> it's going to. I mean, it's going to be much worse for people, of course, who have have are reliant on medicines that are imported and who don't know whether they're going to be able to get them, or people whose jobs are about to go or, or even have gone already. And all, there's a whole host of ways in which it's going to be absolutely horrific for lots and lots of people. But you know, in my own little selfish way, you know. I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a German passport, so I'm, I'm not going to have to pay visa fees or, you know, or have my freedom of movement limited. Um, yeah. Except yeah. insofar as um, I'm going to be stuck on that motorway and trying to get from A to B and from B to A every week so that I can have a decent family life and continue to do my job. And that's yeah. what's yeah. scary. That's what's making me stay awake and stress. So Yeah. And there's something for, I mean, there's something for everyone from the biggest thing to the smallest Mm. The smallest thing, you know, um, that's mm. the, we talked about this in our depression episode, you know, the sort of, yeah. from existential dread to uh, mild but constant inconvenience. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's everyone. So, yeah. okay, so so it's been a hell of a week for us personally, because we got to, we, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Chris, but I, I only really wanted to do this because I like Romaniac so much and... <laughs> Uh, and I thought there was no chance of ever, ever being invited on that. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that was main. That was my main motivation. For yeah, well, this, what did honest, you think? So. I mean, my 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 most the bit I found most enjoyable actually was going down to the pub afterwards, and that's where the if you like the proper podcast happened, wasn't it? Because that's where you have the really interesting political discussions with yeah. uh, with An- with Andrew and Dorian and Nina, and you know, it was really good fun. Um, and. and- and beer, I mean, yeah, the the, the pub's always the best bit because of the whole, you know, pub thing as well. So. Yeah, lubricated um, <laughs> with with both beer and uh, Borussia Dortmund football songs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which I thought was very appropriate as well. Yes, it was, wasn't it? But it was really great to meet. It was really great to meet all of them. It was great to meet Nina, um, who've been following for a long time and who I think was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and also, I thought you know you really um, you really get to understand the. What a preventer does as well. I mean, we're yeah. we're not preventers. We just sat and talk, sit and talk to each other. Yeah. No, but you really got uh, Dorian with with Andrew's help. You know, sort of keeping the pace going and drawing drawing stuff out. And well, what you uh, don't what you don't see as a listener is Andrew as the lead producer standing there on the side, sort of giving. He's like a conductor <laughs> in an orchestra. He's like conducting the orchestra. He's sort of giving all these hand signals and gestures and sort of telling people when they have to shut up and giving. It was incredible. It's so different to the way that we I know, do I, it. To be, to be honest, I just started zoning him out because he was because because I'm apt to harp on at length about things. I, 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 he was just constantly making the wind up signal at me. I know. You know? <laughs> oh dear, he's constantly harshing our vibe. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it was absolutely brilliant. So th- thanks, thanks so much to all of them for for having us on. And uh, yeah, and it did yeah. wonders for our um, it's, I, it did wonders for our uh, iTunes exposure. So all of a sudden, from 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 nowhere, we we rocketed to number twenty five in the in the iPod charts. But not only that, the, uh, the sorry, the the iTunes podcast charts. But not only that, we we hit number five in the um, news and politics. Uh, a category of podcasts, which was quite incredible um, when you look at the company we were in. Except uh, until you remember that this is this was what, for a couple of hours, <laughs> whereas these yeah, other yeah, ones exactly. sit there permanently. It's, 
Yeah, exactly. It's not like it's not like the old charts where they come out on a Thursday and they're like, you know, you're number one for a week. These are real time charts. So it was a very, very brief. Yeah. Peak, you know? But what was great was that I, I, I got to say to my kids, um, so yeah, so you know that podcast I do? They went, oh, yeah, yeah. And I went, yeah, so oh. yeah, it's number five in the charts. They were like, what? Really? I went, yeah, yeah, the, the, the news and politics in charts. And they went, oh. Inst- they went instantly back to sleep. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. A subset of a subset of a subset. A niche of a niche of a niche. Yeah. Yeah. It but was... no, it was, it was a really great experience. Um, and thanks to thanks to the guys so much. And, I mean, we're hoping to try and do something in Brussels as well, with, yeah. which would be... Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. It'd be great fun to do. Um, but back to the back to the um, core of what we do. The cake. So that's the fun and that's the fun and positive things finished yeah. for, the, for this podcast. That's, yeah, because it's yeah. been it's been another week, isn't it? Yeah, another week of hurtling headlong towards the void, willingly it seems as well. So deliberately, yeah, very deliberately. Yeah. But uh, but it, how do you feel about? the week's development because it's been pretty dramatic in Westminster and um I, I I still haven't quite worked out whether I should whether to feel any glimmer of hope about this. I mean I've chosen to suspend the cynicism. Mm. And it is it is quite especially the three Tory ladies who uh, just look so energized and happy to be had to have made this move they just look as if just, their souls have been liberated um and it's actually kind of charming to see three politicians get their mojo back in the mm, way that mm. um in the way way that Wollaston and Allen and and um Subri have done but whether it leads anywhere but i i like the i like the i like the analysts have gone and said look you know let's let's not assume that it's going to be like the SDP let's not just let's not assume that because the the reality is that British politics is ripe for disruption because it is broken. Yeah, and, I mean that's 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 it. I'm really split because I'm not I'm not convinced at all. Somebody said that. Yeah, there's huge positives and huge negatives. I think. And somebody yeah. who somebody said it's either two years two years too late or two months too early. You mm. know, in that. It's very possible that them not being in the party, they, they no longer have the threat in either party. They no longer have the threat of leaving, firstly, um, which was, but then that's the kind of no deal threat, isn't it? So it doesn't necessarily work as we know. But um, <clears throat> they don't, you know, they don't have the influence in their parties that they did have. And you can argue that that had waned hugely as well, maybe. But the, you know the chances of either main front bench moving away from uh, their current positions, I think, have probably reduced very slightly as a result of it. Um, so in that in that sense, it's not hugely positive. In another sense, in that somebody's actually stood up and done something difficult, and it is difficult, even if you even if you want to do it, um, it is difficult. Uh, Someone said, "Yeah, it's not uh, it's not difficult in the way that uh, you know, brain you know, brain surgery or saving people's lives or whatever is is difficult, but <coughs> it is brave and difficult. Very and, brave, um, yeah. Um, and people are doing something and standing up and saying, this is not good enough. I can't continue to support this.' And so that in itself is sort of a pos- positive as well. But whether it's actually made it more, made anything, you know, a a a a, a, a vote or an extension or." Um, revocation more likely is a bit of a is well, a bit of a moot point. I think I, I see it as a numbers game. Really, I think that I think that for us as outsiders, we we had nothing to lose from them making this step because realistically, neither the the chucker wing of the Labour Party nor the super wing of the Tory Party were having any influence whatsoever upon the leadership. I mean, that was obvious. And I think that um, while they obviously have mer- have killed their own careers within those two parties, so you know it's exceptionally courageous and, and dangerous, and risky move for, for for those individuals. In terms of the politics of it, I think it's a no risk. It's a no risk move because um, they can only 
gain leverage by doing this, it seems to me. Um, they've well, resigned. Well, no, hang on. Let me let me so let me finish the thought because what they've done is they've um, resigned a whip that um, they were effectively they'd, have, they'd they'd already done it to, to, to you know to all intents and purposes. They had no influence or leverage with their with their leadership. If they can, if they can establish a foothold, if they can create um, a, a significant enough uh, disruption. So that it, it, it then starts prompting others to join them. If this could, you know, begin to grow as a movement, then potentially what it does is it neutralizes the DUP and the ERG. I mean, for that you need more Tories to come across, obviously. But and it, it only happen, takes and it has three, to happen in the next couple of weeks as well. Yes, it does. But I mean, you know, it could happen. So once if you get six, you know, six or seven more Tories, which is a lot to ask, but it, if you've got six or seven more Tories to join this independent group, then suddenly all the maths looks different. There's a bit, there's a slight, I take, I, I definitely take that point. What I think though is that it potentially makes it harder for some MPs to come out and support a referendum because uh, these are, the leaders of this group are, are the most, or oh, the most high-profile people in this group, are inextricably linked to to people's vote now. Mm. So even if people don't want to leave the party, yes, it could certainly attract people from more people from both parties. Absolutely, um, and I think it will. Um, but I think there's it, it makes it harder for people to stay in their parties and support a and support a referendum. Really? Because of that? Yeah. Because of got, that link, because you're because then you're supporting because they're inextricably linked to it. You're supporting something they support. You're supporting the uh, uh, where the in their terms traitors went. In Labour terms, you're supporting the Tories. You know, and, you're supporting. And, and yet today we've we've heard possibly the most uh, conciliatory language yet from Corbyn on, on, on a referendum. Really? That's what I was reading. Uh, so second or third hand, I was reading in one of the, um, I think it must have been in The Guardian, seeing as that's the only thing I ever read these days, but um, um, quite conciliatory no noises from Corbyn over potentially moving towards a second referendum. I think if he does, he'll wait until it's impossible. Well... Okay. To do it, <laughs> there is that. I mean, the other. The, I mean, no, when no, I, it's, not, it's not the front benches. I mean, the, the front benches aren't going to be aren't going to be moved one way or the one way or the other by this. I'm thinking about, you know, Labour MPs who are who are loyal who are loyal to Labour but remain but remainers who don't want no deal who haven't supported people's vote yet but do see it as a way as a way out of this to avoid no deal and to uh, meant you know to not go against the will of the people and and all of the arguments for it. Um, I think it's going to. I think it's maybe harder harder now for them to to do it. I mean, you, you've seen instantly, as you'd expect, you know, momentum and uh, Corbyn supporters, you know, instantly saying, "Ah, this is a Tory. This is a Tory group now, and it's pro privatization." Yeah, well, of course they and, would. You know, man, all this. Guy, no, no, but this gets. But this. But no, no, but this gets to people, and people. It, it gets uh, to some of the people whose, mind, who, whose minds we need to change, and who, whose minds are potentially changeable, and you know, in private, possibly yeah. already. Are already thinking about it, so it. I I, I don't want to I don't want to throw a bucket of cold water on it because something needs to happen, and this is something happening. So yeah, that in itself seems to be a good thing. Um, I mean, I can't help feeling maybe I'm just too cynical now, Chris, but I can't help feeling that this is planned. <laughs> this has been planned for a long time, anyway. I mean, mm. there's been there's been oh come on, there's been rumors about this for. For a I'm, long time, and well, and, the, and, and we knew who it would and we knew who it would involve. Sure, as well. sure, sure. But define planned. I mean, my my sense is that it was. I I, I always favour cock up over conspiracy, and my sense is that yes, they've been planning it, but not down to the you know very detailed choreography of the thing. And and my sense no. is that this was um, actually caught a lot of people by surprise. No, but um, what my what, what my cynical side is. Well, I don't know. There was quite a build-up last week to it as well, and of rumours and well, so on. Well, exactly, but, but that's how, exactly why I f it felt more organic in the way that it happened. Um, 
I mean, look, it seems to me that what happened was they came to the <sighs> they came to a conclusion uh, that I, uh, my understanding is that they must have must have uh, come to a come to a realization that as far as they're concerned, people's vote isn't going to happen. And therefore, their making this move wasn't going to endanger people's vote because in their view, it was already too late for that. Well, exactly. So, the, But these are the key... Exactly. I think that might be true. But these are the key campaigners for people's vote and are still campaigning for people's vote. And what I'm, this is what the cynic, in me is say, the cynic in me is telling me, is that this, was, this or something like it was always going to happen and, it, and it's about positioning... It's about positioning for post in the post Brexit world. It's not actually about stopping Brexit. Well, um, in my view, you know what? It's happened, so it's happened, and I think therefore we just have to say, well, good, something had to happen, like you said. Well, something yes, absolutely, to and I, I so, totally agree about that as well. I really do agree about that as well. I mean, I'm not, um, I, like I say, I don't want to pour, I don't want to pour a, a pour a bucket of uh, a bucket of cold water on it either. Um, I just, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I, I think it actually could be a, a slight, slightly more cynical move than uh, than people currently currently think, and it's actually about people who are going to be deflected next time anyway, positioning themselves uh, to uh, to be able to get elected. Uh, and uh, mm, I'm not I'm not going to go there yet. I think you know maybe maybe a couple of them maybe maybe not. But I think when you look at when you look at and listen to Luciana Berger and um, uh, ah, yes, Allen, yeah. I think you know no, no, these are people who no. who who that's a good point felt yeah. they had no option but to do this and absolutely. feel liberated yeah, no, by doing absolutely. it. I think that no, no. I think that's re- I think that's really true. And um, I think uh, I think Mike Gapes as well had mm. just you know appears to have not been able to take it anymore. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, I don't ascribe that to everybody, and it's just a, it's just a nagging feeling, and yeah, I mean, I'm particularly cynical about politics at the moment, which I think is justified in general. But, um, but so, yeah, what's, but your, what's your cynical we'll take on the whole? Um, oh gosh, what what did she say? Funny tinge. What's what's the funny oh, tinge did. thing? Well, she did say it. Eh? No, I know, yeah. so, but what's your take yeah. on it? Was that it was it was. <laughs> It's just like really, really today. This very same afternoon, who did that? Somebody did a brilliant article saying, uh, "Look, they're a proper political party. They've already got yeah. you know day one, and they've got a racism scandal." Yeah, it was um, <laughs> Jim uh, Jim, Jim Felton. Felton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah he wrote no, a very, he, very good article. Oh, on it, actually. He, do you know what? He's he's good, isn't he? He's he's he is very he's, good. He's yeah. rivaling Marina Hyde for these wonderful. Acerbic takes. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah and Jim uh, Jim uh, Crave as well. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you would just think like the briefing for that day was don't <laughs> don't say anything stupid. You know, <laughs> just try and avoid saying something stupid. And it does just come. You know, I mean, people do say stupid it's things. Just, it's hot. Just like oh, you didn't. I mean, just imagine. Oh, they must. Oh, have you, thought, you, really? you can imagine. You can imagine as well. Maybe because I mean, I. I I'm pretty sure she's not racist, you know. And in her apology, she was absolutely, she was genuinely horrified. It wasn't one yeah. of these like, "Oh, I'm very sorry if anybody found that offensive." She was like genuinely horrified. She was well, going, she did say, me, yeah, "I'm know. sorry if anybody was offended." She didn't say, "I'm sorry for saying it." She said, "I'm sorry." Yeah, yeah if no, anybody that's true. Was I, I know. I don't. I did, do not understand why people do that. But it wasn't. Ju- but it wasn't. It wasn't just that. But it, I mean, it wasn't a. It wasn't a great. A great start. But such as the. Such is how politics moves now. So that only lasted an hour in the news cycle anyway, yeah. you know? Um, apart from Owen Jones tweeting about it for 48 yeah. hours straight, obviously. Yeah. Um, there's all this, also this stuff about the election as well, about, the, about by-elections. And it's just not somebody... Somebody did some research into it, and was it since the war that there's only been yeah. four four by-elections called when people have crossed the floor and there's been, what, like 40 people or something? Yeah, and then and then you listen to the people who've been making the biggest fuss about it and people like Farage, who, of course, <laughs> resigned from UKIP without resigning his UKIP MEPC, seat, yeah. you know, and ha- despite <clears throat> having said previously, according to his the, the current party leader, um, Gerard Patton, uh, claims that 
Farage had promised that he would make way for uh, somebody further down the list should he resign from the party. Well, yeah, no, Corbyn didn't. And then Corbyn himself. Um, yeah, the, fa- the facts have changed. Yeah. This is not what people voted for. Yeah. The facts have changed and they deserve another opportunity to vote. Now, where have we heard that before? Yeah. No, but not, not, but not again. Not even, not even the the Brexit hypocrisy of it. It's also the fact that Corbyn himself it was somebody who, for many, many years, was notorious for not respecting his party's manifesto. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So you know, come on. There is a, also, I mean, the, it, it is very unseemly, and it, and I don't think it helps either party. The way that. You know, people who have been selected by the party, who've been members of the party, who've been uh, parliamentary members of the parliamentary party, some of them for a long time, suddenly, like a footballer going to a rival team, mm. suddenly they say they're basically saying, "Well, I thought they were a dick all along. Actually, yeah. I've never liked them." Yeah. You know, they go really because you went to all those events with them and said the same things and you know <laughs> tweeted nice things about them and now suddenly you're calling them bastards, you know, and saying you never liked them and it's really it's really unseemly and I think I have to say I think both parties have handled it really badly. But by the same token, there have been individuals in both parties who have been I've, I think have quite impressed me by their oh, yes. yeah, magnanimity, yeah. like like Tom Watson's speech. Tom Watson's very much was, was just superb. But also, um, but other people wouldn't have expected. No, he has not, but then it turns out Tom Watson has nothing better to do than, than do well, good speeches right, because okay. he's not invited to any but, meetings with Corbyn you know, anymore. But, hang on, but then there are other people like Barry Gardner who are also, you know, Barry Gardner was also, I thought, quite, you know, for, for once in his <laughs> life, he said he was, he was he, he said something pretty decent about it. And yeah, also on the Tory see, side. Yeah, but did you, did you not see his clarification today? No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He said, for the avoidance of doubt, I was talking about uh, Luciana Berger being driven out. All, all the others I have no time for whatsoever. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Because people have gone, back. wow, that he was, that a, was magnanimous a, he... and well-judged of Barry Gardner. Yeah. No, he's and a twat. He, he's still a yeah, twat. <laughs> he, he heard that people who thought he'd done a good job and thought he, he, he had to wade back in and fuck yeah. it up again. So. Uh, and now, yeah, I mean, and, and some of them that you've got talking about resigning now, you know, David Mundell, <laughs> David Mundell, Claims he's going to resign more than David Davis did. I mean, he's claimed he's going to resign like about six times in the last two years, and he just never and he just never does, you know. Yeah. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see what they get. Yeah. Um, speaking of well, speaking of Corbyn, was, does that segue us into Brussels visits? Yeah. So it where does. are we now? So Malthouse is dead. Is it Malthouse? Malthouse. The Malthouse compromise. The Malthouse compromise. <laughs> <laughs> the Malthouse manoeuvre is the shithouse kaleidoscope. Com- yeah, it's completely dead because it always was. Well, yes. So May's gone to no change there. May came to Brussels yesterday. Didn't shake hands with Younger, um, who had a big big plaster on his face from a shaving cut. Did you see that Younger quipped that it was a you know point said it's a shaving cut? I want you to know that it wasn't Mrs May that did it. <laughs> Did he? I did see it. I hadn't heard him. Yeah, yeah, Very yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they didn't shake hands and apparently it achieved absolutely nothing. But she's looking for something legally legally binding, eh? She's looking for something legally binding, different. She's, they seem to have accepted that the, uh, the withdrawal agreement isn't going to be reopened. And she's looking for a co- codicil or uh, 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 a declaration which is legally binding. And, of course, the EU saying, well, yeah, of course we can do that, but it's not going to be any different to what's legally... Bi- it's not going to change the legally binding nature of the withdrawal agreement, and it's not going to change the legal meaning of the withdrawal agreement, because otherwise the two would be in conflict. It's all just dancing around the same... And what it's all about <laughs> is getting Jeffrey Cox to give a different inter- interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, but everybody knows is, this. It's, it's, all, it's, all, it's all transparent... Can kicking yeah. and time wasting, and everybody knows it, and everybody's fed up with it, and I'm fed up with it, and I'm bored of it. Frankly. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Did you see the conversation? Um, it was uh, UK and changing Europe with uh, Annan Menon, and he was in conversation with uh, Stefan de Rank. Did yeah, so I, I didn't see it. I'd, I'd, I'd heard that that had happened. Oh, I'd really, I'd really recommend you and, and any listener 
Gov and have a look for this. I think it's on the UK and Changing EU website. Um, and uh, it was really superb, you know. And one of the things I really got from it was, firstly, the difficulty that uh, they'd had getting EU27 on board for a UK-wide backstop. You know, there were member states who really didn't want this. Yeah. who really thought of a backdoor into a future relationship without taking on responsibilities yeah. and without a proper negotiation. They really didn't, so lots really didn't want that. So there was a huge effort there to do this. And also the, how flabbergasted everyone is that they think that, that people seem to think it's the EU locking the UK into this. The UK asked for it and the EU really didn't want, the UK asked for it and the EU really didn't want to give it and gave quite a big concession there um, on the basis, and they did it on the basis that it was temporary. So, they, you know, they want to get out of this. Um, so, And that just doesn't come across in the UK coverage in the least. Oh, no, no. But, you know, I've got a couple of things to say about this, which is that um, I want to stress how incredibly unusual it is for EU civil servants, so commission officials, to be making these kind of public statements so I, um, <laughs> speaking as an EU official who does this public <laughs> thing, public which is exceptionally <laughs> one, no, not on behalf of my, of, no, of not, my no. employer, of course. So it's really unusual because it's really very much not part of the culture of the commission to go no. public and talk in, the, in public. Um, no, that's, that's, that's not the same thing as transparency. For, huh? Transparency is much is a much more um, is a much more fundamental part of. Uh, the Brussels culture than it is in, in Whitehall. But in terms of officials as individuals speaking about their about what they're doing in public, it's, a ve- it's, it, it's not part of the culture at all. So it's no. been really no. interesting to see how... Uh, it's just another way in which the Article 50 team, the, the task force, is really nailing it. They are just absolutely on top of their game. So you've got people like Sabina uh, Viand who is Barnier's deputy, and you've got Stefan de Rink, who um, is the head of unit level um, beneath her, but then also, I mean, okay, so he does have a PR role. I mean, he has a comms role. But nevertheless, for them to be going into um, these sort of conversations and now uh, post-negotiation sitting in panels and going on the record saying things is quite... Quite yeah, unusual. Very unusual. Yeah, very, and very shows unusual. that they're really um, pulling out all the stops here to um, get across their side of the story. Uh, and uh, let's remember the people that they're targeting. Um, it's not just. It's not necessarily the UK at all. I mean, it is partly, but I mean, everybody knows how difficult it is to penetrate. The, the the Fleet Street, Whitehall, Westminster bubble. Um, their main audience are the twenty seven other EU member states. Yes, yeah, and um, and other people in the institutions because they're the stakeholders and they're the people that could turn around and say, well, you know, you, you got this wrong or uh, you didn't you didn't do what we asked you to do or you you, t- yeah, you yeah. took on to you know. So this is this is really important. Um, and I mean, I just, I think that they're absolutely nailing it. I really do. Oh I would no, I say think it, obviously, I mean, but. no, I think and and Durink's Durink 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 Durink's. Um, I mean, it was an object lesson in public diplomacy, you yeah. know, um, in that he really tried to dispel myths. And I mean, the objective is the objective from the youth side, which I mean, I think Remainers get now, um, is that. Is to get this is to get this agreement over the line. I mean, that's yeah. the objective. The objective is not to stop Brexit. No, the the objective is to get this agreement over the line. It's their yeah. agreement as well, and always has been. Um, it's a, it's to get it's, to, it's a managed ejection of the UK. Yeah, yeah, is absolutely. It, yeah, and but no, no. I th- so I, it was really. You're right. They're doing a really good job. But he was really, he really got over. How how surprised people are by it by it being portrayed as trying to uh, trying to keep the trying to bind the UK, you know, and trying to trying to keep it in some sort of trap, because the the view is really the opposite, and we've really see, seen this a lot. I mean, I think we t- we talked about this a little bit before. It's an advantage to the UK economically 
to to be in a customs union. You mm. know, this is a positive thing. And yeah. but the whole but the but the whole Brexit, uh, all of the talk around Brexit. So they've managed to reconfigure it so that things that are bad, things objectively yeah. bad. I mean, we talk economically or in terms of rights or whatever. Um, things that are objectively bad are seen as as good things in the UK because it's sticking it to it's sticking it to the EU, you know. Whereas things that are good, things that are positive, like the single market, like freedom of movement, um, like the customs union, are seen as negative things because it's um, because it's it it's seen as giving in to the to the EU. And and Stephen Durant was sitting there really, really doing the Barnier thing and saying, "Look, you can have whatever you you can have any of these relationships that you want. It's completely up to you. We'll accommodate any of these relationships, but each comes with a set of rights yeah. and responsibilities." Um, and and that's not going to change substantially. So you need yeah. to choose. No, and, in- and and the fact that it still hasn't been chosen, you know, he was saying that the 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 so he was trying to dispel the sort of uh, blind Brexit idea, you know, mm-hmm. and and saying, look, there's a lot of detail in the political declaration. It's very long. There's an awful lot of detail, but admittedly, what it doesn't do is make the choices and the trade-offs that the the, the UK has to do. It just says what they are. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's um, in, in bizarro Brexit world. Up is down, and and left is right. Yeah, and, completely. You know, good Absolutely. is bad, and and uh, this is this is the bit that's actually quite difficult for Brussels to understand. I mean, yeah. and, and not I, by Brussels. I, I'm I'm it's shorthand for everybody outside the UK. <laughs> but people are really struggling to get this because it, it, you need to have been steeped in the UK's toxic coverage yeah. of Europe for the last 20 years in order to really to be able to get it. Because otherwise you look at this and you think, how could they possibly think that offering a countrywide customs union without, you know, a, a effectively for free, how yeah. can anybody <laughs> see that as, as anything but, a, but a, a massive gift? Whereas, of course, in fact, every... British politician popping up is sort of saying, "Well, this is this is vassal, vassal this is vassalage. Yeah. This is uh, an outrage. They're, they're insulting us. They're punishing well, imagine, us." Uh, imagine going to do, like, you know, a neighbourhood partnership agreement with, you know, uh, uh, a North African country or an eastern an eastern partnership country, um, and that being the be- that being your yeah. first offer. Yeah. They would be falling over. They would be absolutely yeah. falling over themselves. And then imagine those countries stepping up. Um, and senior politicians in the governments of those countries saying, "Well, I mean, this is an insult." Fuck you! Yeah, fuck you! EU. How dare they your... try and make but give us? How give dare us they try and give us free movement? Want. Yeah, yeah. How, like, how dare they try bastards. and give us mobility? What absolute bastards! Yeah, completely. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. It's incredible. I know. Yeah. So the other the other person in Brussels this week was uh, was Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. Um, here to sell his unicorns. To the yeah. people who to the people who kill unicorns. Yeah, dear old um, magic granddad. Yeah. Oh, it's just really terrible. So, I, I wrote a. I've been thinking about it, and I was so. I'm so annoyed by the position, because I'm so annoyed to have an opposition. Because it's the disingenuousness of it. I'm so annoyed to have an opposition, selling unicorns. You know, at this at this point, saying that they'll get things that they couldn't possibly get, and what they're doing is they're relying on. They're relying on the diplomacy of the other side to not say, no, that would be absolutely out of the question. Of course they don't. And I predicted that, you know, Barnier would say it was a useful meeting and his doors always <laughs> open for everybody. And that Corbyn, Corbyn would say it was extremely positive. And then the Labour Party would use it to say that the EU would agree to everything they wanted. And they've done exactly that. I mean, they've done precisely that. Mm. But when he was asked directly by, uh, who was it? It was Mark Stone from Sky. He was asked directly outside... The commission, uh, did you uh, did you discuss the possibility of a uh, uh, customs union where the UK has a say in EU deal, EU trade, EU trade deals? He just massively deflected it and said, "Well, we're not in government and we can't negotiate that yeah. now, and that would have to be negotiated later." And and you go, "No, yeah, that's a no." So either he didn't bring it up with Barnier, I'd be surprised if Barnier didn't bring it up himself, to be honest, um, or or he or he did and it was shot down and he's just ignoring it and. It's really, I think it's really bad to sell, to sell these things because it's 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 simply not possible. Yeah. Um, 
the same as splitting the four freedoms, the same as the sing- all the benefits of the single market without freedom of movement. You know, this is the same stuff that's yeah. that's been sold. And I, I think this really, put, I really think if you can't sell the reality of what you're actually selling, you have to you have to oppose it instead of selling it. You know, yeah. Yeah. if you're going to say, look, we'll have we'll have we want the single market, we want we want frictionless trade. That means single market and the customs union. That means state aid rules. That means that means uh, not having a not having a proper say in uh, the regulations and not having proper say in EU, tra- EU trade deals, but the benefits compared to the alternatives, the alternative Brexit are enormous, and we think it's worth it for jobs. Uh, go and sell that. Just go and sell that. But you won't. Because, but but you won't. And I think the reason you won't is because is at its heart because of freedom of movement. You know, and the same people who don't like freedom of movement suddenly like the idea of uh, of the UK doing its own trade deals. Um, and that's why he doesn't like the. He wants to say any EU trade deals with with the customs union, you know. So it's really, again, it's policy dictated by, you know, a, a relatively extreme part of the spectrum, uh, rather than the mainstream part, you know. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just think it's hugely disingenuous not to go and, not to go and sell it. Um, and if you can't, that's the option. The options are something like what May is planning, um, or customs union single market. Um, and there's not much. There's there's, there's hardly hard, not there is a bit, but there's hardly a cigarette paper in between in between those two positions. Um, so if you're going to oppose the government and you're not going to go properly for a customs union single market, then you have to oppose it. Yeah. You have to oppose Brexit. Well, this is what this is to bring us full circle. This is what's so um, encouraging about the split about the creation of the TIGs, the TIG, um, because you're finally getting some politicians who are saying, you know, we need, we need some grown-ups. We, we, need, we need to start being honest with people. We need to start telling people about what's really possible, what isn't possible. And- I, I hope they do, though. I hope they don't fall into this Blair, Clegg, Blunkett, Mandelson thing of uh oh we can go you know we could reform freedom of movement and well, obviously leave, not leave. i mean yeah i mean no, i no, really I, mean, we... I really really hope they don't fall into they don't fall into this trap because i thought <laughs> there's an article in the guardian by gina miller selling this lead not leave stuff again about resurrecting the tough deal and so on uh the cameron the cameron agreement and you know and it was and the article was obviously aimed right at them hmm. uh and I, I really hope they steer they steer clear of this. I mean, because this this is massively poisoning the well, and just again and just again selling something that is not that is simply not possible. Honestly, I I, I hope that what this new realignment is really about is reforming UK politics. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm almost I'm almost over the whole. I can't say that as a, as a as a we can't say that as a remain <laughs> podcast, can we? No, I mean obviously I I I want the UK to fix its relationship with with the EU, but in order to be able to do that, it has to fix itself. Yeah, it has to fix its relationship with itself, and um, that's what we really need a political realignment to do. So yeah, absolutely. On a, on a more positive note, there was stuff from uh, Juncker this week about extensions. Um, saying that if an extension is asked for, it'll be gone. You know, it'll be given, firstly. But also, really interesting... I mean, he said this very, very clearly. Nobody will, nobody will object to, uh, uh, to an extension if it's required. Required, he said, you know. But he also, he also was very sanguine about it going past the EU elections, which I was, very, mm. which I was surprised about. And he, he said he thought it would be the, you know, the sort of ultimate irony of the whole thing. But if that's what has to happen, that's what has to happen, and but, it was it was actually good. It was actually good to hear that from a from such a yeah. uh, senior and guarded source, actually. But honestly, I mean, the, the 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 election thing has always been more of an issue. It seems on the side of UK skeptics. I've I've never, maybe I've just not been hearing it, but I've I've never heard on the Brussels side anybody say well obviously july has to be the hard deadline because of the elections well some do i mean some very well connected people do you know fabian zuleg uh 
That's yeah, but of, Fabian, no, no, but I'm talking about political, no, in political in the institutions. Not a legal one, but yeah, but no, Fabian, no, 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 Fabian's a commentator. I'm talking about people in the institutions. Well, you did from the EP as well. I mean, uh, Giva Hofstadt said it was out of the question. Um, of course, not the EP that decides, but mm. but he he did say it was out of the, he did say it was out of the question. And Younger's saying very much the opposite. There, he's saying if that's what has, if that's what's required. That's what's, yeah, that's what's required. And I've I thought that was, really, that. that was something really positive, I thought. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. But I, I must say I had never seen that as a problem. That always really, seems to be more really. of a, a problem that people were inventing to as, as, as reasons not to do things. John, John Worth said it, a friend of the podcast, um, John Worth said that he thought it was a good problem. It was potentially a political pro- problem, but well, it was a, a good problem, problem it's to not have. an unfixable problem, exactly. It's a problem that could be fixed. It's not a problem well, no, that... Well, even beyond that, it's actually a good problem. I mean, for people yeah. who say that the, 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 the EU isn't democratic enough, yeah. they say, no, you're a member state, you have to have elections. Yeah. Um, that's the way it is. Yes, it, it, it's a massive pain in the ass for plans for groupings and, uh, and even for other people's electorals, you know, electoral lists and, and systems and so on if the UK then did leave. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's democracy, folks, and we are yeah. democratic, and we do care about it, and uh, you can't be, you can't not have representation. That's a ECJ mm. ruling. You, you know, you can't yes. have, you can't, they did for Gibraltar, so you can't not have representation. No, absolutely. So if you remember, you have to have it, and that, that's what I mean by, that's what he meant by a, pro- a problem that's good to have. It's yes. actually a positive problem. And what, what, what it would do, of course, is it would call everything that the EU does into question, if you had a member state there that hadn't got democratic representation. So if, yeah. you d- if, if the UK, for example, said, well, you know what, we're not going to bother with electing MEPs this time around, we'll just appoint some people as kind of, uh, you know, um, night watchmen, um, to, to use a cricketing analogy, um, yeah. just to sort of tide us over until we leave. Um, that would then make every piece of legislation passed by the rump European Parliament, the European Parliament oh. that didn't include UK MEPs, um, open to legal challenge. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and <laughs> so and and what's lovely about that, as as John was saying, is that what what more wonderful evidence could you wish for to demonstrate that actually the EU is is democratic? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Precisely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And of course, remember that you could keep a commissioner, keep a, a ECJ judge as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in those circumstances, but uh, yeah, I was really so on, on a on a positive note. Uh, in a in a you know many ways negative another fucking ridiculous negative week. Um, that was that that was I thought that was a a, a really positive positive note. So um, mm. do we have uh do we have a lie of the week this week, Chris? We do, we do, and it uh, smells it smells really bad. It, it smells, smells of, it smells of diesel. It smells of diesel oil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's diesel. God, the number of things that have been put down to diesel. I can't. Be- I can't believe. I can't believe that a drop in the diesel market could have led to the splintering of the Labour Party in this way. Yeah. Not yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Brexit, so, just diesel. So yeah, the issue here is that is the, the number of apologists who step forward to claim that um, Project Fear were not. Right, and that all the things that we predicted that have come to pass have come to pass purely coincidentally, nothing to do with Brexit at all, but mostly because of the problems with um, the collapse in the demand for diesel cars. Um, and you know, if we're going to be specific, we're going to call Honda, the the, the company, Actually, yes. our liars yeah. of the week, because they said, it was a lie by omission. Well, they said it was not Brexit related, didn't they? They said their decision was not Brexit related. Of course it was bloody Brexit related. Don't of course it was. You read the financial press, somebody posted Financial Times Japan edition <laughs> with people in it saying, Yeah, of course it was Brexit, obviously. Of course it was. I mean but of course, <laughs> just just as if just as it of course it was, of course Honda weren't going to say so. Obviously they're not gonna yeah. say they're not idiots. They you know, they're trying to sell cars to these people. They're not gonna tell them you're all idiots and we you know. Yeah, <laughs> but of, of course, course not. it was Brexit related. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they're not exact. Who was it who, um, who was it posted that you don't? Oh, yes, it was James. James, James uh, Fee, wasn't it? James Patrick. Yeah, James, James Patrick, Patrick did yeah. a great, great tweet that said, you know, um, basic marketing. McDonald's say, I'm loving it rather than there might be shit on our touchscreens. And, Hon- <laughs> and Hon- Honda say it's global conditions rather than Brexit because, yeah, you d- it's marketing, isn't it? Obviously. Yeah, of course. 
Yeah. Yeah, they've got PR they, departments who, who carefully craft these messages with the intention of selling more cars or not, you know. And, and Honda, have in the, Honda have in the past said that there would be consequences of Brexit. And the point here is that the utility of doing that in the past was to try to shift government policy in favour of the single market and the customs union. Having failed to do that... Yeah. They're not yeah. going to shift government yeah. policy at this stage yeah. when they say that they're, when they say that they're leaving. So yeah. now the decision's um, made. There's no point in yeah in banging on now about there, it. There obviously are other factors in it as well. It's silly to say that it's just Brexit. Sure. The reason that, but the reason the decision was taken now is specifically specifically because of because of Brexit. Who's insurer who's leaving specifically at eleven p.m. on who's moving their operations specifically at eleven p.m. on the 29th yeah. of March. Somebody, you know, try and tell me that's not fucking Brexit related. Um, and I think that's the thing is that, you know, you can say in each individual instance, obviously a decision, the fact that every business hasn't instantly just left the UK shows obviously that there are lots and lots of factors in play. There's not just a, there's not just a single factor. The point is in these, in these decision-making chains... There's a factor that pushes it over the edge and makes yeah. it and makes makes that decision the only decision that that that, that you can make, yeah. um, and that's Brexit because it makes all of the rest ten percent less. It makes everything ten percent less attractive. So if you've got an eight percent margin on the decision, you know um, that that tips that tips it over the edge. Yeah. But also, do people really expect us to believe that it's all coincidence? That it's it's just rotten luck that all of these decisions happen to be and will continue to be made now. I mean, is it, do people really believe that it's it's just a correlate it's just it's just a it's just a bizarre and perverse correlation. Who could have possibly predicted it? Come on, you could you you'd well, have to be, predicted you'd it. have to be nuts to you'd have to be nuts to 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 believe that. And also you know, people are the other paradox of this is that people are saying, oh, it can't be Brexit because Brexit won't change anything. If it won't change anything, why are we fucking doing it then? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've said it's going to change things for the better. It's not. It is changing things, but it's not for the better. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, I think I think this is the, the overriding lie of the week. It's, 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 we'll call it It's Diesel. It's Diesel, stupid. Yeah. Which is what we're being shouted at constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And we're being told this, of course, by somebody who moved, you know, in the case of Reef Mogg, people who, and other Brexiters as well, who've moved their businesses. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. So, yeah. And advised others to do the same. So, uh, yeah, it's not remotely credible. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so, Steve, um, so ends another week in yes. the exciting life of Brexit. Um We've got a couple of interesting weeks coming up. We've got um, potentially Tanya yeah, Bookman next week. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's very cool. Sorry, you were going to say? Sorry, I was talking about wider issues rather than the podcast. Yeah. There's a rumour that the meaningful vote will actually be next week. It'll be brought forward. Yep. Yeah. Um, the 27th was when people were talking about it, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Um. So that would be uh, so. It's my birthday next week. So that would be ah. the best birthday present ever if uh, <laughs> the meaningful vote um, decided that it was going to revoke Brexit. I, I don't know. I'm 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 off my face with tiredness at the moment. I'm making it yeah. up as I go along. So yeah, no. I was talking about the podcast. We've got a couple of um, good podcasts coming up. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and then um, and then we should see some major developments in the next two or three weeks <laughs> because yeah. we've only got two or three weeks left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Haven't we got Jim? Are we getting... We're getting Jim Cornelius. Um, Jim Cornelius, I'm very much looking next. forward to it. Yeah, that's going to be true. He's going to tell, talk to us about tariffs. Yay. Yeah, tariffs. I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be epic. So, um, and by that point, I think we'll pretty much be up against it, won't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We might be, yeah. Then we'll have to think about where we go with the, where the hell we yeah. go with the podcast after after March the 29th. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. What if anything happens on March the 29th before yeah. we decide that? I guess. Yeah. Anyway, Great. Steve. Yeah. Well, lovely to talk to you as always, Chris. And thank you to everybody for uh, for listening. Thank you. If there are any new listeners uh, coming to us from from Romaniacs, thank you very very much for listening. Um, we don't have a Patreon or anything like that. 
so uh, so if you were thinking of donating through something like that, give it to another good Remain cause, um, or upgrade your Romaniac subscription, I guess. If you want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and you know, thank you for listening, and I hope it hasn't been too uh, too much of an adjustment for you if it uh, uh, if you are. And, uh, yeah, this isn't as tight as them. Yeah, this is this is a different kind of thing. This mm. is we just sort of randomly talk and um, less professional, I think, is the term, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rough around the edges. Yeah, we could do with uh, yeah, we could do with someone coming and whipping us into shape. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody, and we'll see you uh, see you next week. Best of luck and um, don't despair. Don't despair. Good night. Good night. Love.